4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, you heard at 4 o'clock, we roll into uh, football time. We're going to talk to Caleb Herring in about 15 minutes. We'll get back to the Golden Knights as well. Golden Knights every hour here on Cofield and Company with a big game coming up tonight. Game two, Golden Knights at the Avalanche. A lot of people feel like this is a lost cause. That's ridiculous. Of course, the Knights are very much in this series. And, uh, yeah, uh, Raiders camp today, OTAs, another couple of days out there. We'll uh, get into the turnouts and also all the ins and outs and what was said by uh, Henry Ruggs and also uh, Incognito speaking again as Adam Hill will be in the 5 o'clock hour. <laughs> this one's hilarious, and I, I suppose the Steelers, do they owe it to Big Ben? I guess. You know, he's been outstanding up until last year. They got off to the good start in spite of his very uh, mediocre play, and then his play got worse, and they kind of fell apart at the end of the season, do they owe it to Big Ben to be able to control the narrative of why he's back and he's making a lot less money than he was due and what he's made throughout the course of his career? I, I guess it's fine. You take the high road, but it is kind of laughable. Uh, this one's made the rounds now for a day or so. Headline, uh, Ben Roethlisberger felt taking a pay cut was, quote, necessary in order to help the Pittsburgh Steelers sign top talent. He said, the idea was mine. It really wasn't. Uh, the handwriting was on the wall at the end of last year. Like, you're not going to make 19 or $20 million this year. We're not going to take a $41 million cap hit. I don't know if they said it to him behind the scenes or if they even you know met face-to-face. But, again, reality is Roethlisberger's play declined. Now, are the Steelers in a position where they could just walk on Big Ben? No, they haven't set it up correctly. They've kind of botched things the last couple of years. Could they have gone with a bridge guy this year? probably save some money, but then they'd have to have another quarterback in waiting or some kind of plan to trade for Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or be willing to move up from the 20s. Yes, they could have because the uh, the Bears were down in that range and were able to move up to get Justin Fields. But uh, yeah, Roethlisberger uh, trying to make this a feel-good story about himself, but that's that's kind of his, his cup of tea. He said, it was my idea. I told him uh, I want to help the team uh, out however we can. So I went to them and told them that I would do whatever I could to help the team sign guys that are going to help us win football games. So he uh, he's reduced his salary by about $5 million, So now he's in that 13 to $14 million range. He's back. Everyone can feel good. Ben's the savior. Uh, but the Steelers are facing an uphill climb. The Bengals are going to be better. And we know in the division the Ravens are not getting worse and the Browns are on the ascent. So there's some pressure this year on Big Ben to you know, have this team in a, in a good position. He's got to play better than he did consistently a year ago. Now, one of the teams that – one of the organizations, and I, I can't even believe I'm saying this, thinking about where the Bills were just a few years ago before Josh Allen and, uh, you know, new management came in there with Brandon Bean and also a, uh, a great head coach. Um, this was a kind, of, kind of a no-man's land. Uh, where players didn't necessarily want to go to Buffalo. Well, they've made some really good moves. They've drafted 
impressively. Allen has gotten a lot better, and now it's a destination spot in freaking Little Buffalo. And this one is worth keeping an eye on. Uh, we just mentioned Big Ben renegotiating his deal. Stephon Diggs just converted uh, a bunch of his base salary into a signing bonus. So that'll open up at about $8 million in salary cap space. And a lot of people think that they – Bills could be in the running for Julio Jones. Maybe that's a long shot. The other guy that's intriguing because they have a, a nice set of receivers is Zach Ertz. And yeah, Ertz was, he was hurt a year ago, but we're talking about, and he played 11 games. He had two starts, but we're talking about a guy who is still just 30 going on 31 and consistently caught beyond 75 balls in the, you know, the last two healthy years, the guy had 116 catches Two years ago, we're talking about, you know, Darren Waller, Kelsey, Kittle territory, 88 catches in 2019. I guess that would be two and three years ago, but 88 catches. Uh, he's a consistent touchdown grabber, you know, up around six, seven or eight. Diggs may have done something great here, and it'll allow them to get Zach Ertz. That would be a freaking hoot if Buffalo's drawn Ertz. And, oh, my God, if Buffalo lands Julio Jones, what a freaking coup. Raiders camp today. Like I said, we'll get you updated a little more in the 5 o'clock hour with uh, Adam Hill checking in. Uh, it looks like about uh, 76 players were out on the field. Now, again, that doesn't mean that they're not around the facility if they're not, not out in the uh, practice facility. Uh, but about 76, according to uh, most reporters, showed up, showed out today. That's about 86% turnout. And uh, I did notice, I did notice, welcome to Vegas media that haven't been here before because remember last year the media didn't have to deal with the heat the players uh, had to do what they had to do they had to do their normal work but today's one of those first days where we're above 100 moving towards 105 and I saw some complaints this is Vegas baby and I my guess is the Raiders are not going to be moving their practices to like seven in the morning so get ready to cope with it up next a guy who had to cope with it all the time because UNLV is the same deal you can practice early but at some point even at like 10 a.m it is hot as Hades in this town Caleb Herring is along for more football talk here in Cofield and Company's 4 o'clock hour. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Leonard finds his spot. Relentless. 27 for Leonard. Just fired up to be here today. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Woo! I heard the SA say he said, My boy, you won't believe what they saw. I saw these pack of guys and they act real hard. And what they do? They twist their fingers, say, You know who we are. He said, I don't give a f. They snoop. All right. LA's team. LA's team. Crank it up. Do it. LA's team. Snoop. You saw today. He might be done with the Lakers. Extremely frustrated. Next up, maybe we convert Caleb Herring. I don't even understand why Caleb isn't rooting for the Clippers. Uh, LA guys like Kawhi Leonard, really from Caleb's neck of the woods. That'd be a guy to root for. What do you think of the Lakers last night, Caleb? That was pretty cool, wasn't it? No, Steve. It was not pretty cool at all. <laughs> Terrible. It was atrocious. It was, you, you it was maddening. Oh, my God. It, it, was, it was almost unbearable. I, the, the diehard fans, I think, kept watching. I, 
while the Portland game really piqued my interest, I wanted to get away from it. I just play on basketball with the Lakers. I can't turn away. As excruciating as that was for me to to watch as a fan, I couldn't. And it was just critique time. And my, I'm just like, what, where's the answers? You know, that's where I'm going as a fan of the Lakers. I just, but it was disgusting. I like, I like from. I mean, the first two possessions, I think we went up 5-0 early, and, you know, I was like, okay, we're playing hard. It looks aggressive right now. Good job, Morris, knocking out open three. And then from that point on, literally, from 5-0 on, it was all Phoenix, and the Lakers curled up like little babies and couldn't muster up any energy to respond. And it, it, that is the most discouraging part as a Laker fan. Like, the energy, the fight was not there, and that has never been the issue in L.A. I mean – when we were terrible and weren't making the playoffs, after, you know, the years after Kobe, there was no question that guys were trying hard. You know, they just didn't have the tools on the roster, the, the maturity yet. But they fought hard and they played hard. That's always been something you could count on. But that game, I, I mean, watching LeBron walk up and down the court and pout to the refs every – I mean, granted, a guy doesn't get every call. I get it. But that's not how you're supposed to play in what I think is a must-win playoff game. And don't even let me get started on the guys that didn't even play. I, I mean, I was I was disappointed to say the least and disgusted at what I saw. I mean, there's another chance, but the way I feel as a fan of the Lakers, I really just want this season to end with this series, just so maybe some guys get a taste of humble pie and and realize that you know they they can mess up. They're not perfect. They're not there yet as in terms of the greatest they could be, and they got work to do because clearly. They got work to do, and the Suns were working them all last night, basically getting whatever they wanted. So I was disgusted. Caleb Herring, football expert, basketball expert, fan, fan. Last night uh, you were freaking unhinged on Twitter. You were going uh, President Trump often with the uh, lot of caps, a <laughs> lot of caps. I saw you screaming about audacity. Uh, you were yelling, sitting out. Did Anthony Davis wear a Kobe T-shirt? Yes, yes. Anthony you Davis. Lost it. Uh, to, I, I, I lost it. I lost it. Anthony Davis wearing a, a t shirt, you know, I, I believe it was in loving memory of Kobe Bryant or something like that, on a t shirt um, while sitting. And like I said, what I call a must, it was a must win playoff game to me, in my opinion. You, that was a game you must win if you're trying to advance out of the first round. And, you know, he's questionable, understanding he had a growing and things like that. Those things can suck. But, I watched the guy warm up. He was out there and shooting around, moving around, and, and looking like he could possibly go. And in my mind, the heart of a champion, the Mamba mentality, which you're going to wear the T-shirt commemorating, that you would not sit out of that game with what isn't listed as a, a definite injury. If there's anything short of a, you know, a tear or something in your in your muscle, you're going to play and at least try. You got Chris Paul on the other side of the court playing with one arm, and you know and because he understands that it's the playoffs, and that's the kind of fight you have to have. And you're going to sit out, and I, I think the point at which I lost it with Anthony Davis was when he was in the timeout yelling at the other guys what they need to do. And I, I, it, as of Alex Caruso, as you know, as Marquise Morris sitting now, I'm looking at him like, well, how about you suit up and play? Like, you know, like give it a go at least. Let us see you're trying. And Charles Barkley, you call him what, street clothes? I mean, that's that's – as, as a player, I'm looking like this guy does not have the toughness to be calling himself a leader of the Los Angeles Lakers. And that's just the history of, you know, one of the most storied franchises in sports. To, you know, they've always had that fierce competitor, that leader that's willing to, you know, put it all online. You're like Isaiah Thomas back in the day with, with the ankle and, and, and things like that. And, and Magic Johnson 
playing all five positions, basically, or playing center in the final. Like those kind of Kobe Bryant limping to the free throw line with a torn Achilles to knock two free throws down. Those are the things that Laker fans have as imagery of their greatest players. And for you to say, you know, my growing's a little sore, I'm going to sit this one out, it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way as a fan, you know? And I, granted, he could be hurt, it could be serious, but I, it just didn't feel right to me watching how that team got blown out by 30 points or wherever the final score used to be. Athlete on athlete crime. Uh, you mentioned the 30-point margin. Uh, is it cool that the leaders of the team, LeBron, A.D., are like, eh, 549 left. You know what? Let, let's be real. The game's over. It's time to go back and get some treatment. Get our minds right. Let's leave the game early. Absolutely not. I, I just don't – I don't <laughs> – okay. I think that creates a division um, between – between and at the wrong time. That's not the message you want to send at a time where the season basically is on the brink. This is not the time to – I don't want to – I don't know if show your teammates up is the word, but to basically – respect the fact that you know this 30 point hole that you dug that you were on the court for this when this happened and now you're going to abandon the team that supports you and and cheers you on and and you know lifts you up when you're down on the court you're going to leave them and go back to the locker room to to quote unquote start treatment i i to me that's that's if your treatment is needed that bad uh i think you maybe you shouldn't be playing at this point right i think it's more important to me as a leader of a team to, to be out there with the guys and, you know, coach them up and, and watch the game and see, like, hey, what, what works at the end? I think you, if you stay out there, you see Montrezl Harrell score, what, 10 points in that last minute, in those last minutes, attacking the paint. Maybe something he did you could build up on or, or encourage or just let the young guys know that you're supporting them. You got guys like, like Horton Tucker who are out there trying to find a way to, to find a groove to help the team out, and you're just going to abandon them. I, as a leader and as a person who's been a leader of a team, not – you know, not saying that it's anywhere to the scope of LeBron or Anthony Davis or professional athletes, but as a leader on a team, your body language, your, your the messages you send with your actions are pivotal to building team chemistry and team camaraderie and the brotherhood that helps you in those tight games. Chris Paul going down, and like they're talking about the image, when Chris Paul was laid out on that sideline, I'm watching all the other guys on the team, guys that don't play, guys that are in the game, and how concerned they were at their leader not being available, possibly not being available. Imagine a guy like T.J. Horton Tucker looking at the sideline and real and seeing LeBron's back going to the locker room. How much how much energy does he have? How much does that sap out of him to watch his leader abandon them while they're still in the middle of a fight? What 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 can you expect that to do to his psyche as far as being a team player and doing what you ask him to do and diving on the floor for that next loose ball like? It, it, to me, the leadership of that moment, of that game, and watching LeBron's body language and AD leaving the court, to me, that was the wrong move as the leader of any team, honestly. And I, I, I don't say much about LeBron as far as on-the-court stuff and how he handles himself, but that is something that you should never do as the leader of a team. You're going to stick with him, though, right? Because I think Snoop right now is teetering. Uh, he says, never thought I'd say it, but we sorry. And the Clippers are better than us. Frank Vogel can't coach. And why the F Montrez Harrell and get no run? Uh, F, this is heartbreaking. AD hurt more than Mary J. Blige. What? He finishes it <laughs> off by saying, we soft. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not jumping ship. I can't find much that I disagree with in that from Snoop. But I'm not jumping ship. And I will never be a Clippers fan. Um, I will say that the Clippers this year – the way they responded to going down 2-0 to the Mavericks this year 
it's the heart of a champion. I'm not saying that they're going to do it this year. I'm not saying that they're they're you know a more complete or better team than the Lakers because the Lakers at their best, I think, are still the best team coming out of the West when they're playing their best. Um, they're just not right now. They don't have the heart to get to that point right now. Um, but the Clippers are playing with that heart, and that's the kind of thing that champions do. It's not always going to be sweep, sweep, get there. Um, we've gotten used to seeing kind of the Warriors and, and the past, I don't know, six or seven years, teams dominate the conference and make it there with these super teams, and that's kind of how you win your championship. I think the Clippers going through last year together and stinking it up in the playoffs, that adversity, then go, coming this year and getting down 2-0 right off the bat to a team that you should probably beat or at least be more competitive with, I think was a test, and they, they responded like a champion should. I think the Lakers you know, had some adversity this season. They had a chance to respond and bounce back, and it looked like things were going good, but this that Game 5 performance was not the heart of a champion. So in that aspect, I agree with that, but I will never, ever be a fan of the Clippers. The other team, they're tennis and Staples Center, and they, we are the big brother and always will be. If Vegas really wants another team or an NBA team to come, the Clippers are more than welcome to get booted out. And I'm saying this yeah. as a Laker fan. All right. All it's, right. it's, it's, it's deep with me. Are, are, you, are you Caleb Herring, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George from L.A.? Do you consider yourself from L.A.? I would say for the purposes of talking to somebody that's not from Southern California, I would describe where I'm from as L.A., yes. Wow. I will tell you, my uh, significant other, who uh, is from the Valley, from, you know, we'll, we'll, she's actually not from the mean streets of, like, Canoga Park or Reseda. Um, actually, <laughs> in a little bit nicer area. Uh, Woodland right, Hills, right. but uh, but she she got infuriated when Paul George was referred to as from L.A. when he was from Palmdale. She would get so pissed off. So I, there is this thing, and I, to me, I when I'm speaking to people that understand, so when you say from Woodland, I know where she's, I know where she's at. Like I get that. So I, yeah, there's a yeah, definite yeah. difference, you know. But there, to just the general public, if I tell people that the city that I lived in, which is the same city that Kauai lived in, Moreno Valley, nobody yeah. would know where that's at. Like I could, I can't. Explain that to you because there's so many little suburban cities spread out all over you know southern california that people aren't interested in so just for the sake of talking to somebody say from chicago i'll say i'm from la but okay. i don't know if you know this i'll just plug this too Kawhi has a new shoe that dropped that's actually paying homage to his city marino valley which is i think is cool i'm gonna cop a couple pairs yeah. but that that's another story but you should I be proud of that yeah i'm proud of it to see my city on a shoe i mean it's kind of cool right but no so, so the people that don't understand the area i would say L.A. just to kind of give them geographically that I'm from Southern California. But, no, I, I, I see the argument there. That yeah, was a decent explanation. You didn't backpedal completely. Uh, Caleb Herring's with us, UNLV uh, football voice, former quarterback with uh, UNLV. All right, Henry Ruggs today was talking about, uh, quote, expanding his route tree. What does that mean? And more importantly, uh, if he expands his route tree, will that actually get John Gruden to call plays for him and more importantly get Derek Carr to throw the ball to him? Yeah, well, I think it's this is kind of my knock on Henry Ruggs coming into the draft or out of the draft rather that um, his his he was very much a niche guy as far as what he can do as a receiver, the speed guy. He he runs routes that require speed. He stretches the defense, and that's pretty much all he did. And that was, in my opinion, everybody's great of him as far as who was the best receiver in that class. And I think Jerry Judy was that best receiver who I think had that full route tree coming out of college. Um, and what he's talking about is the the difference in the, the footwork and the ability to create separation um, on anything other than a go route or, you know, these routes that require you just to run straight line and rely on your speed, um, the change of pace in a route, in and out of your cuts, and the things like that, 
that really need to be developed over time. And if you're niche, uh, if you're locked into you know a certain skill set, which Henry Ruggs was a speed guy, um, off coverage, drag route, straight line, um, big post over the top. Those are the routes he's run at Alabama for his you know most of his college career, and I'm sure for most of his life because he's so fast and talented in that way. So he's never had to work on the footwork that it takes to run a comeback route, um, to run a precise dig route, to to run a zig route against press coverage or, or get off of press coverage with your footwork on a slant. He just never worked on that. Um, so I think adding that will complement what he does with the deep threat and really make him a, a complete receiver. Um, it will help him in those situations like last year where it's third and medium, third and short, and you need to get a completion against tight man coverage. You need to be able to create separation in those situations. And that's why a guy like Hunter Renfro has been so good because he knows how to create separation. He's not a burner. He's not the biggest guy but he understands how to create separation using momentum and getting in and out of his cuts fast. If Henry Ruggs can add that, I think he does make himself a more valuable target in all passing situations. I think right now he's very limited to play action, deep shots. We're taking a shot with this play. And then you see creative ways to try to get him the ball and use his speed with motions and jet sweeps and things like that. But if he becomes a receiver that can be on the field for every down against every coverage, I think he definitely earned some trust with Derek Carr and with John Gruden and the play calling and becomes a go-to guy, just another option along with Henry Rugg or, excuse me, with, uh, with Hunter Renfro in those third and medium situations where you just need to get that much separation to get five, six, seven yards to keep the chains moving. And I think Derek Carr appreciates that as a quarterback, so he targeted him more for sure. So um, I think what he's saying it now, it sounds good. That's his target. That's his goal. He needs to get with Hunter Renfro and really work on that and, and, and how to get open and run routes um, appropriately. Um, and if he does that, I think the Raiders take another step in their offensive development. I did top 10 offense already last year, but that's another step if Ruggs can become an every-down receiver. Julio Jones has not been moved. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong. Uh, but my guess is that, uh, one, no one is stepping up with a number one pick, as supposedly the Falcons want in a deal, and, two – there's a lot of complications here with Julio Jones in terms of wanting his next deal. So this is not an easy thing to get done. you got to give compensation to the Falcons, and then you also have to renegotiate some sort of new deal. Uh, Julio's not going to fit just anywhere. No, he's not. And I, I, I think you know, there's, some, there's some select places I think he'd want to go with, with a quality quarterback to play with, uh, namely um, with a team that has a chance to win. So you narrow down, you know, because of his age, you narrow down his, his – his desires, and then you couple that with the desires of the Falcons and what they want to get in return for him if they are to trade him. Um, so there, there's a lot of people to please when you're talking about trading a guy at a kind of a awkward age where he's 32 years old, which is, for, for NFL standards, that's an, an aging guy. You know, we're, we're talking Tom Brady, and he's 40-plus, and he's a quarterback. But that receiver, 32, is, is your tail end of your career, pretty. And, and if nothing else, on the downhill of your career, right? Julio Jones is a freak specimen who maybe has some, some good years left, but you're talking about restructuring the guy's contract. How many guys, how many teams are going to be willing to trade away future assets and restructure their deal around a 32-year-old aging veteran who has not yet proven that he can get a team a championship? He's a great receiver, a Hall of Fame career, in my opinion, um, if he gets rings and things like that. But I think uh, Julio Jones is, is still worth it today. But you're talking about restructuring a contract for two, three years down the road are you mortgaging your team's future to go after this guy in his trade? I think with that in mind, a lot of teams may be a little bit more hesitant to go after a guy, especially at receiver, um, who we've seen, you know, receivers in the past, 
get these big payouts, get these contracts that bind up a lot of money in the salary cap, and it doesn't really translate to wins and loss or wins on the season or playoff success or, or Super Bowl championships. Receivers just really don't have that payout. So that's working against Julio in that sense, where not a lot of people are, not a lot of teams are jumping at that opportunity when you weigh it against uh, the future of your program, of your franchise. So I, it, it might be, you know, some time. And like you said, time really isn't a factor with this. I mean, I think someone said that, that you know, starter training camp is a deal. That's a, a ways away. So something could happen on the turn of a dime, but uh, there's so many people to please and so many different elements to this trade situation that, um, you know, who knows who will actually jump in and, and bite on a deal with the Falcons. But for Julio, hopefully he lands where he wants to be and, and he's able to play because I, I love watching him play. Caleb, uh, next three, four days are going to be uh, key in L.A. basketball. And uh, you don't have to make it public, but if you want, just text me like on Sunday. I do have a, an old Clippers uh, CP3 jersey and an old-school Clippers hat. Um, you don't have to say where you got them from, but I'll give them to you. If, if, if you give me those, there will be bonfire fuel. I, I, <laughs> I will never, never don the Clippers. Purple and gold till I die. I'm purple and gold. This is what it is to be a fan, Steve. You understand this. You're a Jets fan. You understand yes. this. You get it. Like, we're not jumping ship. No matter how bad it looks, we're not jumping ship, baby. We're going for 18 still. We still got a chance. There's always another day until, you know, <laughs> you lose four in a row. But, I mean, I'm still a Laker fan through and through, even through the hard times. If I didn't leave when D'Angelo Russell yeah. was our starting point guard, yep. come on, I'm staying through this. That's a good segue. We're going to talk later on about D'Angelo Russell and how he was taken ahead of Devin Booker. So uh, not to rub it in. All right, Caleb. Ah. We'll see you, buddy. We'll <laughs> All see right. You. Have a good one. We'll see you. There he is. Very fired up Caleb Herring. He was even more fired up on Twitter. was going absolutely ballistic. A lot of Lakers fans were last night led by Snoop. Very frustrating times. Pissing away game one last night. Didn't look like much of an effort uh, once the second quarter began. We'll get back to that in the 5 o'clock hour. We're about 20 minutes away from more. Golden Knights preview. You got the uh, 7 o'clock start tonight on the road. Game two against the Avalanche. And we'll talk to Brian Blessing about that and everything that's going on on uh, Sports Grid Radio, including some gambling angles, especially on the new rules, or at least unknown rules to this point, on that Floyd fight this weekend. The phones are always open on Cofield and Company. Call 702-364-1100 now. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a pair of laughing eyes And suddenly you're sighing sighs You're thinking nothing's Fat wrong Fat Pack time on a Wednesday. Along, we talk food, we talk conditioning. Usually it's not good conditioning, it's, it's bad conditioning. Which is a match for the show. Minus guys like Candy and Ari. Uh, you know, the more we find out about the A's, because they may be Jones and to come here, the more the impression is a bit sullied, right? We saw Dave Cavill, Cavill, Dave Cavill, who's the president of the organization, come here. He fired off that tweet on social media that from the VGK game inside the fortress that pissed off a lot of A's fans. Well, he apologized for that. Uh, he should have known better. Right, so mistakes happen. They finish their visit here. The word is, hey, they're very bullish on Vegas, but they're going to visit other places as they should. But my question all along with this is, if we're going to get Major League Baseball, we have to get Major League Baseball, like big-time Major League Baseball. And the A's are a good franchise. They win, but they're always hamstrung. They're always 
having to pull back the reins because they're either not willing or they can't spend the money. And this is a debate that can go well beyond the couple of minutes that we have here. They're owned by a guy who's worth two and a half billion dollars. My argument is you buy into baseball, you buy into a business, you spend money to make money. I don't want to hear about your budget. I don't want to hear about you, you know, having a cap out at $120 million payroll. Um, this is something that can make money and you're not going to make money year by year. You're going to make money at the end because you know, baseball teams are going to appreciate. So stop worrying about the year by year money. You know, the payoff is coming whenever 20, 25 years now, hell, if it's the Spanos family, it's going to be a hundred years from now. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's for generations to cash in on, right. And, and make some bucks. So anyway, the, the story with the A's and their minor league food, it's freaking embarrassing. And when I say it, it's like, all right. And I, you know, they do, they do a good job with our AAA franchise, but below that level, it just, it just reeks of just a lack of professionalism. It, it, you know, it's just at times baseball just comes off as very thrifty. This is a joke. All right. Did you see these pictures? I mean, you're a very picky eater. I'm, I'm not. And it, this was very much like the fire festival or the photos we saw, you know, the amenities there and the food there, or, uh, even more, you know, uh, closely related recently, the, some of the food that was available at the WNBA bubble, some of the food that was available and the amenities, uh, around the women's NCAA tournament, something called advocates for minor leaguers got a, um, got a bunch of pictures. I mean, this is this food, the A's minor leaguers were served. And by the way, it was in multiple spots because the A's came out and they're like, Oh, we cut off, we cut this off weeks ago. And like, no, it was actually multiple spots at different levels that the food for the minor leaguers sucked. This looks disgusting. You cut it off. Like, how did it get to this point? Like these look, because mm-hmm. they got caught because they got caught. Right. Uh, yeah. Cavill said, that the food was totally unacceptable and the team terminated its agreement with a third-party vendor that provided uh, the food to its players several weeks ago. But you're right. How did it get to this point? I literally would rather aesthetic, like optically and eat Lunchables. Like I think Lunchables would be, like they'd be more satisfied with what I'm looking at. You know me, I'm picky. I like stuff bland. I actually, I love a sandwich with just a measly lettuce and tomato, but like this is the sorriest, lightest colored tomato I've ever seen also. She what cheese on what are we like seven cheese on a white bread with a, a random tomato and like a tiny sliver of it's just weird and then maybe the maybe the worst looking taco it's that, got like two peppers and onion and like two small pieces of chicken and I will eat every single bite of it because I uh, love the food but it's like yeah there's like one <laughs> there's like one sorry little tiny piece of chicken in a humongous uh, flour tortilla and I'm gonna say uh, it right now as soon as I saw the picture. I am anti-white bread. <laughs> I I freaking I think my parents served it a lot. Wonder bread, shove white bread. There's too many good breads that you can down in a lifetime. Life is too short to be eating white bread. Yeah, that, that's the most outrageous part. And and you're right. The cold kind of I mean I guess cheese can be cold, but just that plain looking. I don't like American cheese, so I'm out on this. The, the white bread, the American cheese. I know people. there are people out there who hate tomatoes. I like tomatoes, but I don't like a tomato that's not either like red, robust-looking, or green. This one looks like it died weeks ago. It's just it's freaking gross. And again, the A's just look like complete 
cheap asses. Brian Blessing is on the way. We'll get back into uh, getting you ready for the Avs taking on your Golden Knights. And if this Colorado team is unbeatable. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Drill deep to left field. Going back more go. Turning, looking. See ya. Walk it off. A two-run home run for Frazier. And the Yankees win 5-3. to three. Oh, did they need that. That was a big one from uh, Clint Frazier yesterday. Yankees were done. Yankees were done. Can't beat the Rays. It's over. What a joke. What a joke that they're the favorite to win the AL East. That call there from Michael Kay. Uh, That's what we were seeing yesterday on social media. Uh, Listen, overreactions are a big part of what happens on social media, and the Rays had been dominant against the Yankees. But there are actually some pretty respected gambling people yesterday who were tweeting that the Yankees have no shot to win the division. At best, they're the third team in the AL East. Pump the brakes, clowns, okay? This is not a day-by-day thing. It's a long season. Uh, And the other thing with the Yankees is, unlike the Rays, the Yankees will probably better themselves via trade. I'm not sure that the Rays will be able to do that, at least – with big numbers, although they just looks like they just did it by adding a couple of relievers. All right, Brian Blessing is in. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Steve, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm irked. I'm irked. I'm irked at overreactions. I'm I'm irked at gambling overreactions. And I got to say, Brian, I saw a lot of. I just don't see any way that the Avs can lose to the Golden Knights. Are you in that category after a seven-one shellacking? No, but I'm also going to watch this game and learn a lot more. Okay. I mean, if you lose 7-1, it's, it's hockey cliche nonsense, Steve. You lose one nothing, you lose 7-1. It counts as one loss. There were reasons why, coming off of Game 7, Leonard's rusty, Avs fresh, played well. Okay, at the end of the day, all that stuff's an excuse. They got pumped, so what? If they win tonight, the narrative completely changes. They get home ice advantage in the series. Your goal is to go up there and get a split. It'd be a pretty large leap of faith, though, to sit here and go, yeah, they're winning tonight. Um, I think you get a really good effort from the Golden Knights. I think they have to slow things down. I think we talked about this during the Minnesota series. they got to play a smart road game. Slow the game down. You do not want to get in a track meet with these guys. Don't get me wrong on this one on Reeves. Right? If you... If you want to slow it down, do you need Reeves or Reeves not being available? Could it actually be a blessing in disguise? Well, when I say slow it down, I mean slow the other guys down. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. Well, that's what, but I'm, I'm saying, do you do you need Reeves out there? Do you need Reeves out there to freaking pound people? Or are there some other guys who can go in there now who are going to be more effective than Reeves in this sort of game plan? Well, the funny thing is, go back to the first year, Steve and they went yeah. to the final. When Vegas would play a dump and chase game, they'd go in on the four check. They weren't slamming guys through the glass. They were going in there. They were winning right. stick battles and, you know, four checks along the wall. I'm not talking going in there and elbow guys in the Adam's apple. It's physical. It's the playoffs. Every hit's delivered with criminal intent. I'm just talking about they can't score if they don't have the puck. They'll gain the red line. Don't be trying the tic-tac-toe fancy stuff that gets you caught in transition. Dump it in, work their defense down low. By the way, McCarr and Gerard, these guys are spectacular. 
they're not the biggest guys in the world. You know, it's a long series. You want to wear them down, finish your checks. I'm not saying you got to maul them, but just play it smart. Don't don't be going with the stretch passes up the middle. If you turn it over, it ends up in your net. How big a loss, and I haven't seen an update on Janmark, but how big a loss is Janmark? Well, he got the hat trick in the deciding seventh game. <laughs> yes. That was pretty salty for the kids. And he's, he's no great, you know, dominant force. He's just a good, honest hockey player. But he was finding a groove with his line mates. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if Sakura can step up. Maybe, maybe the kid steps up. You never know. You get an opportunity. Maybe the kid pots a goal. It doesn't help. I mean, he's a good two-way hockey player. And we do talk about Vegas when things go south on him. If you're giving up seven, it doesn't matter. But when you get a team that at times squeezes the stick and is looking for offense, there's a guy that at least currently, current form, was putting the puck in the net. Sure, it hurts. Uh, Jan Mark, uh, last update was about two hours ago. We know the NHL, and especially the Knights, are very secretive about injuries. But, yeah, Jan Mark uh, downgraded to doubtful for the game tonight. Do you believe that Flurry actually has something on the abs, like he's in their head just a little bit? Nah, it's you know, can goalies get in, a, in teams' heads? Yes, I don't know that Flurry necessarily. That's the case with the S. You know, remember a lot of the games they played them this year, they weren't at full strength. And this this Avs team, Steve, for a couple of years have been you know my pick to win the whole thing. Their problem is they never can stay healthy, and for the most part, other than Kadri being suspended, they're really healthy right now. Vegas all of a sudden comes limping into the playoffs a little bit of a mash unit. But if you're going to employ the next man up chatter all year long, you got to back it up with the next man up. Brian Blessing, Sports Grid, Sirius XM 204. He's on locally on K-Shop. i got to get a couple of horse racing points out of you. First of all, what's your reaction to now Churchill Downs told Baffert, all right, buddy, you're gone, two-year suspension. Will this be upheld or do we see him running horses in the Derby next year? Well, it's a great point. The, the problem is, and it's a nice problem for him to have, he always gets the best horses, the best bred horses in the world. Right, right. Uh, but you're an owner and you've got a horse that you believe is of derby caliber, Baffert may not get those horses. And, you know, that may be the biggest impact out of this is he doesn't get the horses on the front end. All right, what's going on for the Belmont? Field of eight. Actually, a pretty intriguing race with a lot of horses, I think, can win it, Steve. It's a mile and a half. Uh, I think Rock Your World, the number seven, didn't get to run his race in the Kentucky Derby, got pinched at the big gate. Known agenda, the Florida Derby winner got the rail in the Derby and got walled off. There's one horse, though, I can't believe in 15 to 1, I'm taking a big leap of faith. Number one is Borbonic. This horse won the Wood Memorial and. If you watch the replay of the Kentucky Derby, this horse was running 20th, dead last, <laughs> and he pushed the button on the horse. The horse was absolutely flying. I don't think he'd have been worse than fifth in the Derby, and all of a sudden the doors closed. And it looks like this horse has no chance, but I'm telling you, in a field of eight with a mile and a half and the extra distance to run, I think at 15 to 1, and you may get all of that price, I think the number one Borbonic has a big shot. Brian, do you bet the NBA? Do you bet the series plays? Because the fluctuation in the NBA on the series prices has been nuts. 
you know, I go. I kind of go game by game, Steve. I, I didn't really get involved with with the series prices, and in most sports, I'd say on average seventy percent of the time I play totals. You know, backdoor cover. I did play. I you know was able to win by a couple of points last night. Had Brooklyn in the closeout spot over the Celts, but generally speaking, I'm a totals guy. I think if you're right about the pace of play over. 60 minutes in a football game or a basketball game or a hockey game, I always think the total's a safer way to go. Do you ever play fights? Because uh, I think a lot of people are ready to bet the Floyd Mayweather-Logan Paul fight this weekend, then the rules come out today. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, we already knew it was an exhibition, but now there's no judges, but there can be knockdowns and knockouts. So I I, I know here in Vegas, everyone's like, well, I, you know, I, I, I talked to the guys at the Westgate. They're like, we, we couldn't even put it up on the board. Uh, this is a weird <laughs> one. How do, you, how do you bet an exhibition that's not judged? Oh, I, you know, right? I guess, you know, people bet preseason baseball. I guess they bet that. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going anywhere near it, but, but people will pay attention to it. You know, and, you know, it's the hype machine, social media. They're in. I, I, I'm not going near. How about this? In a fight like this, and it's very strange, would you be cool with having betting options on the board here? Like, because I've seen uh, some of the offshores go with, you know, this fighter will have a bloody nose. This one will be the first one to get a bloody nose. This one will be the first one to get knocked down. How many knockdowns will there be? Would that be acceptable for the gaming commission to say, you know what, it's a bettable event, let's do this, or is there too much gray area and stuff like that? Well, what are the house rules? The guy goes to the yeah. corner and there's actually blood on a towel. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, How exactly. bloody nose does it have to be? You know, yeah. it would it, it turn into the old wrestling, right, where the – the, the guy's down, and he's got the razor blade under his uh, taped wrist and slices himself. They used to do that back in the day in hockey. The, the guy would be laying on the ice, the trainer would come out, and the guy cut himself. Oh, five-minute yeah. major. <laughs> All right, let's get back to hockey to close. So what do we do tonight? How do we bet this? What do we do? Oh, I'm not any help to you. I swear to you, I, I, I have no conviction. I, I think it's a correlated deal in Vegas. Vegas has to hang in here with these guys. I think it's correlated that it's an under game. It's a lower scoring game. Um, that's the hope for Vegas. You know, the way Colorado's going, if Vegas starts chasing the game, we saw what Colorado can do when there's all kinds of open ice. I really, I, I, I'm not any help to you. I have, I have no conviction one way or the other. I expect a good effort from Vegas. If, if they get, you know, they get chopped again tonight, it's an uphill battle. But the reality yeah. of it is, as hideous as it would look, you come home, you're down 2-0, and you're going to be in front of a packed barn for two games, and you kind of start over. But I think it's correlated. If Vegas is in the game, it's lower scoring. Brian, don't you have a line about a burglar? Don't you? I, I thought there was a, one of your a million lines that you have. Something about a burglar? Um, you know, I've no. got the guts of a burglar. Simple one. Yeah, guts of a burglar. So you have to have the guts of the of a burglar to bet the under after watching the Avs go for seven yeah. goals. Do you not? <laughs> yeah. No, no, you do. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a leap of faith. I'm not saying you're being contrarian. I will say this. Generally speaking, this is one thing I've always done. I mean, it's 2 nothing Montreal in the first with two great goalies. I bet the over five and a half in this game. I love the high-scoring games in game one before teams get to know each other and hate each other. And then game two, you come back with the under. So that would certainly apply to Vegas tonight, and that would behoove their chances. Brian, you're awesome, man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Steve, always a pleasure, pal. There he is, Brian Blessing, Sirius XM, Channel 204, Sports Grid Radio. He's on K-Shop here and always has his uh, local parties and a great guy to listen to 
uh, next couple of days on the Belmont and horse racing. All right, we'll get back to the NBA. We got a lot coming down from uh, Raiders practice today. One score update, Atlanta out to the early lead, 18-13 to 13 at MSG. Four minutes left in the first. Oh, and look at this, the toughest crowd in the NBA waving white rally towels. What has happened at the Mecca? Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.